You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive recap series of Third Watch. We are in to the seventh episode of the fifth season. This one is called Payback. First aired on the 14th of November 2003. It was written by Janine Sherman Barrois. And it was directed by Tim Matheson. An interesting episode as we get through some more of the Judge Holstead stuff and some other stuff going along the way as well. My name is Ben and spank me, pull my hair, oh baby. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Didn't know you liked it like that. All right, my name is (laughs) Darvin. My name is Darvell, and why don't you take some of those big words and go find yourself a job? Yeah, I, I would like to do that. That would be fun. Um, yeah, maybe we could combine your quote with my quote, and then we would have a happy day. Um, but yes, <laughs> payback. Um, it's an episode about paying people back, because that's what it's called. Um, it's a it's a decent episode. Again, similar. It's a Grace Foster episode. It's there. It's... You know, <laughs> there's stuff going yeah. on. It's third watch. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've got really much to add at the beginning of this episode. No, not really. I mean, because all we really see at the beginning is just... It's just one long previously on third watch before we get to the opening credits anyway, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Basically. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, again, we're continuing on this trend of pointless cliffhangers that do give us extended previously on, as you said. And we get straight into that when we've got... The closing moments of the last episode, when we see our floral delivery guy with his hat and his uh, detonator, detonator, what the hell word that is, um, threatening um, Davis, and uh, basically we see the line where he's calling him a pig again, and uh, Davis get very offended by being called a pig. I don't realise that was a thing that Davis kind of... It's kind of like Marty McFly, how in uh, Back to the Future you call him a chicken. You know, it sets him off. Like, obviously, you call Davis a pig. He, um, you know, that sets off some sort of time bomb or something like that. Uh, we've got Sally, obviously, coming around the corner, and we just get to this point that we saw last week where we had the gunshot. Uh, it's kind of a little bit of a different angle from a lot of what we saw last week. I guess they've kind of made it slightly differently. Um, Sully shoots mm-hmm. the detonator out of uh, this guy's hand, and then after the detonator has been shot out of his hand, uh, we then get another gunshot as uh, Davis, it is, I believe, uh, shoots the driver uh, driving away, and another headshot, and basically his head explodes um, in the... Uh, <laughs> Pretty graphic, really. <laughs> right on top of the uh, yeah. the windshield. Sally puts his foot on the detonator, and um, look at that. Our pointless cliff hangover. Cliff hangover. What, what am I saying today? Pointless cliff hanger <laughs> is resolved <laughs> in the space of uh, a couple of minutes. But as you said, it kind of does feel like a very extended previously on. Davis, very tough here, kind of pointing the gun to his head. You know, who's the pig now? Who's the pig now? <laughs> um, I have just... <laughs> I have to say, I, lo- I loved that. I mean, one minute that, that guy, whoever played him, Frank, what's his name, whoever played him, I mean, it was, it was so funny. I mean, one minute he acts all tough, and then, and then he's, he becomes such a fucking pussy, I have to say. He reminds me a bit of um, Dreadlocks guy from a couple of weeks back, where he's kind of like, he's got this exterior, ah, yes. and he's all like, you know, I'm tough, you know, and then when push comes to shove, he's, he's weak. You know, like when he's, um, confrontation. And this is kind of like the really first time we ever have, I guess, somebody scared of Davis, really, isn't it? Because it kind of it plays up a little bit in this episode that this guy's 
you know, shit scared of Davis, essentially. Um, it's kind of funny to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> cuts back to Cruz, who obviously has uh, had a time in court, and uh, she's in the car rushing with uh, Munro back to the chiropractor place, only to find out that the whole place is being completely raided by cops. Um, public morals, uh, as this apparently is an arm of the NYPD that uh, clearly is... I, I really think, David, they need their own TV spin-off. You know, Public Morals PD. Uh, wouldn't that be an exciting TV oh, show? Or, or pu- yeah, yeah, or just call, just call it Public Morals. <laughs> but, but, I mean, what? how exciting would that be? Like, this week on Public NB- Morals. NB- <laughs> NBC This Fall, a new cop drama from executive producers of Third Watch, Public Morals. <laughs> They're looking after the public and making sure the morals are kept good. Uh, <laughs> getting prostitutes off the street, <laughs> shutting down drug operations, like again, everything every other cop unit does. I'd love to, you know, as always, we have plenty of cops clearly listening to this show, but I would love to speak to somebody who works in the public morals department of the NYPD and kind of see if this is something they want to get into. Like, does somebody become a cop and go, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get into public morals? <laughs> Doubtful. It's interesting because it's, it's kind of like, and this is no disrespect to dentists, but do you ever meet somebody who goes, oh, I really want to become a dentist? Like, I've never met someone who goes out of their way to want to become a dentist. Well, I actually have a, actually have a practically lifelong friend who is well on her way to becoming just that. But was that like her goal? Like, did she just always say to you, like, oh, Davel, I can't wait one day to be a dentist. It's my lifelong dream. Tell you the... <laughs> tell you the tr- tell you the truth i don't tell you the truth i don't remember her expressing interest in it when we were growing up but then i never asked her either so yeah i mean i'm, I'm not trying to shit all over uh dentists because they're very important and they look after our teeth um but it's just it's, it's kind of like you know like uh what's the foot doctor called a podiatrist like i guess unless you're got a foot fetish uh does anybody ever get into medicine and go oh yeah i really want to be a podiatrist um or i really want to be a you know urologist uh <laughs> Like, I mean, it's, there's definitely fields of medicine that I feel you just fall into. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I want to be the, I want to be the one who, what do you call the one that does the, that does the colonoscopies? Um, yeah, those ones, anal doctors. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, anal doctor. Well, all doctors are very anal. They need to be very thorough with their work. Otherwise, you know, we would be sick human beings. Um, and again, I'm not trying to uh, shoot yeah, over these professions, be... people. Like, I, by all means, if there are people out there who dream of rubbing people's feet and checking them for diseases and people's penises and stuff and give anal exams, then all the power to you. We need you out there. But, you know, I just... There's professions out there. Like, who wants to go and work in a sewerage plant? Like, I'm sure people just fall into that business. Oh, God. well, who wants to go work in a in a sewage plant or in sewers and all that? Well, have you ever heard of Mike Rowe? Uh, no, I haven't. I have not. Does he have a boat? Have you Have you heard? <laughs> ha ha! <laughs> Thank you for getting that. Yeah have you Have you heard of this? Have you heard of this show? I don't know if it was seen over in Australia, but there was this show. On here in here in the U.S. one time it was called Dirty Jobs. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. The, yeah, I know the show you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did it. That that was the guy's name, Mike Rowe. So, I mean, 
he obviously wanted a trade in that, I suppose. And, I and it made him famous. Rode his boat around and, um, yeah, I'm trying to be funny. It's not really working that well this morning, is it? Um, look, again, it's... Not it's, really, no. <laughs> there are definitely jobs that people want to do. And, uh, I mean, who wants to be a podcast host? Clearly nobody. Um, but, like, it's... I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm just being a That there's something today. out for everyone, and yet you wonder who would want to do certain things. I mean, look, at the end of the day, just because you might not have gone into life wanting to be a you know, a, a urologist, you might absolutely love it. You might, it might be the greatest job you've ever had. You know, people yeah, fall into God jobs God bless all the you time. for that. Well, I mean, Carlos, for casing's point in this show, didn't want to be a paramedic. He's only doing it to help him get into medical school, but he finds out he loves it, and that's what he wants to do. So, good on him. Yeah. Are we being, absolutely. are we being trying to save ourselves now? I think we're trying to save ourselves. Um, yeah, I think we are. <laughs> Well, listeners, there. how have we done? Have we done a good job of, of saving ourselves, or do we still need rest? Oh, look at all those tweets coming in live on air right now. Um, just absolutely being influxed by them, Darville. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, we're, man. We're doing well. Um, so anyway, yeah. yes, Public Morals have shown up here. They've had some undercover sting here. Now, this, this is what I said last episode, or whatever it was, that, like, Come on, like, as if they have not told the 5-5 precinct that they've got an operation going on here. Like, do we, are we led to believe that the NYPD do this and don't tell each other things? Cause, you know, Cruz is obviously here saying, like, you know, this is my precinct. And he's kind of like, well, what are you doing here? We've got an operation. We've had an operation here forever. So, like, come on. Like, are we led to believe that this really has happened this whole time without them knowing? <sighs> Yeah, it's just, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things I guess it's just been nitpicky about, and yes, it's a TV show, so, you know, not everything has to be hyper-realistic, but this is a, a fairly, you know, set-up uh, operation here, that, and, and, like, how do they not see Cruz? Like, here's another thing to throw it back on public morals, how bad are they at their job? She's been there for, what, like, two days, and what, did they have two days off and go, oh, okay, we're going to go arrest them on Thursday, we would just have the next two days off, so, like, just, you know, coincidentally, they don't see Cruz working in there, I don't know. Or maybe they're too busy sending their sending their people in there to either pose as prostitutes or as Johns. Yeah, possibly, but I mean, yeah, it's never really explained, is it? Like, is, I mean, Ginger's not no. an undercover operative, but I mean, yeah, how else do they? How are they doing this operation to do this sting? If you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, because surely there's something in there that Cruz would be caught out or something along those lines. I don't know. Um, we're, we're going out of our way here to nitpick as we do every single week. But, um, look, you know, we're allowed to. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe this just shows that public morals are really inept at their job, Darvell. They just, they suck at their yeah. job. <laughs> yeah. Get ri- Okay. Uh, send Frank Reagan in to get rid of the public morals section of the police department of the nypd because we all know frank reagan's the only police commissioner that we ever care about um <laughs> we never see the police commissioner in this show do we so i mean no we don't in all fairness we in our in our imagination darvel frank reagan is the police commissioner in third watch because you know yeah that's how it should why be. not Yes. Um, so, crew's obviously not happy about this, but we then cut to Eugene and Carlos in their ambulance. Um, Carlos, can I just point out, like, this seems to be the season where I'm pointing out hairstyles a lot. Carlos starting to grow the mop. We know that Carlos, by the end of this series, will have a bit of a long hairstyle. 
Um, but I, I'm calling it right now. From this point on, Carlos doesn't get a haircut for the rest of Third Watch because he's starting to get the mop. Um, and I like it. I like Carlos with long hair. So just pointing it out there. I like the I like the mop yep. on Carlos's head. Good good work, Anthony Rebovar. You hold a mop well. Um, but he's talking to. What if he looks like that in real life? I think he. Uh, I mean, he kind of fluctuates with his hairstyle, like. I guess like most people do, but I mean, I've seen him in things with longer hair. I've seen him in things with shorter hair. So, um, he's recently been in that Netflix show, hasn't he? A house in the haunted hill yes. or whatever it's called. Um, haven't, haven't watched it, but ha- I've haunted hill house or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I've seen him promoting it a lot on his social media. So, um, congratulations, Anthony. Good to see that you're, um, doing well. Um, but he's chatting with Eugene, um, Carlos saying he's been up all night trying to get his high-speed DSL working. <laughs> Whoa. That... <laughs> Can't wait for that to arrive. Yeah, that... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. DSL was the shit back then, and it was. Uh, it was know... the go... Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, it was the it was the go-to... Um, I don't want to say web browser, but internet service, internet application, or whatever... It was one of the it was one of the fastest ones of its time, if I remember right. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember because like I was sort of late. Uh, well, at least my family was late to getting the internet home. Like, I used to only have the internet at school, and we never got the internet home till I was like seventeen or something like that. And you know, I remember the good old days of dial-up. Um, and then mm-hmm. we had moved house, and when we moved house, uh, I kind of like talked my parents into getting what we call broadband, I guess DSL, um, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I remember first getting it because that was when we were able to start downloading shows, maybe of legal or illegal varieties. I will not comment on that. Uh, um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. Like at the time when you first get it, you're like, holy crap, this is changing my life. Um, you know, I can be on the phone whilst on the internet. Like, wow. <laughs> like, honestly, that was actually kind of a cool thing at the time because people still use landlines back then. Mm hmm. Yep, and some areas of the U.S. anyway, they are very, 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 very few and very, 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 very far between. But there are still some very, very, very small areas of the U.S. that use dial-up. Really? Just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. That's crazy. It's more common in rural areas of the U.S. Well, I know in Australia there was, um, in the last five to ten years, um, because they did a report which basically showed that Australia actually was one of the slowest internet countries in the world. Like, we ranked below a lot of even, like, African and Eastern European countries when it came to the speed of our internet. Um, so wow, that's saying something. There was a there was a government big push to kind of introduce what they called the National Broadband Network to kind of increase our speeds, and kind of it was looking great. They, un, you know, leashed all these new things to kind of connect the entire country, and then a new government got elected in, and they kind of were like, yeah, well, we're going to keep doing this, but we're not going to make it as fast as the other governments here because we're going to try and save some money. Um, and of course, as you know, the story of how these always goes, they didn't end up saving money and we ended up like we, okay, in all fairness, we still ended up with faster internet, um, but it's not as fast as it was meant to be. Um, but I've noticed since being in New Zealand, um, it's pretty good speed internet over here. So, but whenever I go to the States or Canada, you can tell the internet is a lot faster. So, you know, just, yeah, I mean, we practically invented it. You did. You did. So there you go. Um, 
But anyway, yes, Carlos is excited for getting DSL. He's been up all night setting up his modem. Uh, Eugene is kind of saying to him, like, hey, you know, we can pull over at some point and have a nap, you know, if it's quiet. Uh, I don't mind. Kind of like, I like the sort of how this is going. It's kind of a cool, nice little bonding moment between these two. Um, and then as they keep driving along, they come to an intersection and they're involved in a massive crash. A bus basically runs into them and, um, great acting by the both of them here, kind of like, just like their shocked faces that they have kind of just staring out into the abyss after this accident, just before we get into the credits. So this is, uh, officially the third time I believe Carlos has been involved in a, uh, accident in an ambulance. Uh, and is it the first yeah. time he's not driving though? So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. So- and it's the, it, what's crazy is that the first two times happened in consecutive episodes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of like we've, we've noticed Cruz has a trope of answering the door in her, uh, you know, a bath towel or a robe. Carlos seems to have a trope of, uh, being in ambulance accidents. Um, so, but I mean, in all fairness, what we're going to get a trope. tropes are we going to find? Well, the, the one that we will start getting soon is they all of a sudden out of nowhere decide to have Carlos get his head hit every like five seconds. And then that becomes, a, becomes an ongoing joke in season six, doesn't it? Where Carlos is like, hit my head again. Um, so <laughs> he's got some, um, brain damage, brain injuries going on. Um, after the credits, we've got the aftermath of this accident. Eugene, of course, straight away saying like, you know, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. Um, and, uh, you know, Carlos is like, you know, focus on the job, focus on the job. Uh, they call it in, they, uh, people ask, are they injured? And they're saying, no, we're not injured. Um, so, and then we realize we've got a big bus, uh, filled with passengers. Um, it's always, you know, they can never just have a small little accident with just like a little car, can they? It's always got to be a bus filled with people, you know, to create the, <laughs> the dramatic tension with it. But I guess, you know, that's what we're here for watching this show. Um, right. Sully is then, uh, I guess, explaining to the other cops uh, what happened because they're, they're not in their precinct, we should really mention here, which is... I like the fact that they kind of mention that because sometimes I feel in these cop shows they do have a bit of creative license where you you know they're in a precinct, but I guess you never see a, a specific map. And as we've talked a little bit about across the years on this is that... Third Watch has a bit of creative license to what they kind of define the 5-5 as. Like, sometimes we're in Manhattan, sometimes we're in Queens, sometimes we're in Brooklyn, you know, like, apparently the 5-5 spreads off, you know, across most of the boroughs of NYC. But this is one of those (laughs) rare occasions where they actually distinguish the fact that you are not in your precinct, because we've got another cop here basically saying, like, you know, hey, you should come and transfer out here. Um... So I like the way they kind of do that, and uh, Sully's like, no, it's busy enough in the 5-5. The five five. Um, and we've got this guy in the car, you know, going off at uh, Sully and Davis, basically. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I do I, I do love the way that, uh, what, is, what does Davis say? Like, you're a hell of a shot. And then Sully's like, I was aiming at his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've learned in the last two episodes, or the last three episodes, that Sully's clumsy because he didn't really protect the judge. He just fell into her. And now he's a terrible shot because he was aiming for the head. <laughs> um, should Sully really be a cop? Is he losing his instinct? <laughs> I think he is. I, but I, I do like the way they kind of play up on that, though. Like, it's kind of... I'm the type of person that I would not admit the truth in that instance. I'd be like, yeah, totally was saving the judge. I'm a hero. And yeah, I was aiming for his hand. What are you talking about? Like, I would totally play up to that. <laughs> Um, but like Sally's just, I'm very honest. I'm going to tell. Like you, you do it, Daniel. I can't do it. 
I gotta tell the truth, Davis. I was aiming for his head. Or I was trying to protect I just I just jumped on the judge. I wasn't trying to protect her. Oh god. I, I still swear one week you need to do an entire episode in Sully voice. Um I actually you know Well you know, I'll do the entire Go ahead. Oh, I, I was gonna say when we do the ending of the when we when we get to the series finale and we cover that narration of him, I'll go ahead and recite that whole thing verbatim. I was literally about to say that to you. I'm going to give you some homework for the final episode, is that I want you to, after we've talked about the episode, and when we get to that scene, I want you verbatim, word for word, read out that final monologue. Okay, including the, including the part at the end where... Oh, wait. Including the very part at the end where it shows him and what becomes of him. Yeah, and I think kind of what you need to do with that bit is when you kind of read that last little section, then I'll come in with some, like, uh, weird nature noises, and then that's when you end it with crap. Uh, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Too but, bad we couldn't, too bad we couldn't dub, too bad we probably won't be able to dub Battersea over it. Ah, uh, look, I can just in the background sing it very badly. Um, <laughs> or you can pour. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. All right. Yeah, there you go. We're, we've locked it into place. Um, so, Like we wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> like you haven't been wanting to say that ever since I started doing Sully impressions. Oh, you know me too well. Um, Cruz comes back to the precinct, going off at Swirsky, um, and kind of, you know, again, like, who's to blame here? Does Swirsky just not know? Like, should he be informed? I don't know. The public morals guy, um, is, uh, comes in with all these people sort of in chains, uh, and then, uh, our friend, um, the doctor realizes that Cruz was a cop. Um, and then we also see that, uh, Thomas is one of the people being arrested on the chains. So, uh, Cruz straight away, um, well, actually, we'll, I'm going to skip a scene here, but Cruz sort of has a flashback and she'll rush off into the bathroom, but I'll come back to that. Um, we've got Carlos uh, back at the scene helping out a young girl who's injured. Uh, Eugene is helping a driver. Uh, and then we hear kind of one of the witnesses on the bus sort of saying that he uh, looked like he was having some trouble before the accident. So this is kind of where we do find out that it wasn't Eugene's fault, that obviously this bus driver was having a heart attack or something as he drove. Um mm-hmm. So, back to the bathroom scene where Cruz is having a bit of a panic attack. Munro um, is, of course, uh, helping her out. And uh, Cruz is saying, like, I'm not reporting this. Uh, you know, we're going to do this a different way. Bosco walks in. And I kind of... I like the way they kind of lead up to this episode. Because, you know, obviously we know at this point Bosco and Cruz basically hate each other. And Bosco is not to know anything here. So, I do love the way Bosco kind of like, you know, oh, what's happening now? Who are you working for? The CIA? The ASPCA? Um, <laughs> but clearly you know he doesn't he doesn't know what's happened to Cruz Munro's standing up for her and Bosco's like what you're involved in her too you know she's one dangerous bitch and it's kind of it's it's slightly awkward but at the same time you can understand I guess Bosco's reaction yeah because he's not to know it's it's not without reason yeah and I think what's and I mentioned this last week I think what is really good about this episode is that we kind of get this deliberate showing of um you know tension and animosity that word that I can't say right now animosity Uh, thank you very much animosity you got Uh, it right between Bosco and Cruz but then it kind of leads up to a great moment sort of at the end where it sort of all 
comes up with that. Um, Bosco gets a call over the radio saying that uh, EMS has been involved in an accident. I love Bosco's reaction, but he's just kind of like, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just the way, you know, he kind of does that. Um, mm-hmm. Then we've got Cruz and uh, Munro going into uh, the cage, I guess, looking at... Uh, these people and uh, crew starting to question the people and talking to the public morals. Then we've got the ADA showing up saying that they've got to cut them loose. Uh, and then this is when Cruz goes to the ADA. This is Sharon, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And basically tells her that, like, there's been some reports of some rapes uh, and that she has to bring in Ginger to be able to kind of, I guess, back up her story because, uh, you know, she Cruz isn't going to be the one reporting this just at the moment. Uh, a lot going on here, really, at the start, isn't there? Uh, so we've got... Really is. Yeah. So Bosco, meanwhile, is at the accident. Um, I do love the way he kind of, like, comes up to Carlos and he's just kind of like, never let them leave the bus, Carlos. <laughs> it's like, what the hell happened? Bosco's like, Bosco's a bit grumpy this episode, isn't he? <laughs> he's very, a bit. Yeah. I don't know. A like, it's just, uh, is that the reaction he has because of, um, of seeing, uh, of seeing Cruz and that? Is that kind of, do you think why he's reacting that way? That could be part of it, yeah. I don't know. It's part of it fun, is... though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Bosco being Bosco, really. Yeah, and it's we, we went over that last season and sort of some of this season, didn't we? That it's been a while since we kind of had Bosco being Bosco. Um, Doc shows up. Of course he does, because why wouldn't he? And uh, Doc basically straight away, he's like, is that my rig? Um, and then Bosco's sort of like yeah. saying to Doc, you know... Um, you got to control your medics. Uh, Kim's there. She's doing writing a report. And then uh, Eugene straight away sort of looks up and he's like, he's going to blame me. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we can see how this and is going to play out. Yeah, I really, feel, I really feel bad for Eugene here. I really, I really, I mean, yeah, we didn't really get to know him, didn't really know much about him, but I really felt bad for him this episode specifically. I mean, because... He was doing he was doing his best. I mean, and we we got to see him in action here, and he's. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a bad paramedic mm, necessarily. I, agree. I I completely agree. I think that um yeah it's and it's done in such a way that you know I think you're meant to definitely feel sorry for him. So it's 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 portrayed very well. But um you know I definitely agree with you. He's not a bad para- <clears throat> paramedic. Everything that kind of happens really isn't his fault, and um. You know, he he just kind of is on the receiving end of the of the dock, you know, depressed and train that's going downhill. So, um, yeah, hundred percent agree with you. I definitely feel for Eugene, and um, I mean, like it would have been interesting for them to maybe explore his character a little bit more. But at the end of the day, like, what more could have they done? I think kind of they they do his arc quite well. Um, that you're meant to feel that sympathy for him enough, and and you do. So yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get that yeah. with him in a yeah. sec. Um, Cruz and Munro are questioning um the doctor guy. Is it Doctor Chen? Is that did I get that right last week? I think Doctor Chow. Doctor Chow. Now I'm pulling out the racist stereotypes. <laughs> I got it right last week, and now I just went one direction. Apologies for that. Uh, Doctor Chow. Uh, he basically is um turning over everyone right now. He's like, I'll tell you, tell you anything. I have a family. Uh, um, and Cruz questions him about Thomas Warner, about the fact that uh, he got give, he gives out a bonus, essentially, for dealing with Thomas Warner, and uh, he has no idea what 
she's talking about, and this is where he Cruz is asking where's Ginger. So we're sort of finding out here that the Doctor know nothing about that. It's Ginger who gave the sort of the Warner bonus for having to deal with him. So we're going to get Cruz going over to Ginger's place in just a second. Um, Doc mm-hmm. is uh, at the scene yelling at Carlos. Um, going off about Eugene, saying that uh, Carlos should have been driving, um, and then Carlos essentially just kind of walks away from um, Doc because he's angry. He's uh, not wanting him to uh, go off at him. We've got I love this weird guy who kind of shows up and is trying to get free medical attention or whatever. <laughs> he's kind of like going to yes. to Bosco. I got a head injury. Then <laughs> Bosco, it's called lice. <laughs> it's funny Um, it is he calls out the fact though that the young girl that Carlos was helping before has collapsed Um, so Eugene and Doc both uh, rush to help her out and uh, for some reason Doc gets a little bit stroppy over this Doc going off at Eugene for it Eugene just keeps going on with the treatment Kim's watching on and it gets to the point where they both get into a shoving match Doc's shoving him in the middle of treating a patient Eugene shoves back and uh, Eugene storms off and says I'm sick of his crap Uh, and Carlos kind of steps in to help out here so yeah I mean it's again what are we thinking here with Doc like we don't know what the hell's going on here I mean again poor Eugene but, uh, you know, yep. are we finally really starting to catch on that Doc's not all right? Yep. Yeah, we are. Because, I mean, Doc, I mean, yeah, him and Carlos, can't, Doc and Carlos come to blows in episode six of season one. But, mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, Doc initially, Doc, he he would have never done that. No, absolutely not. Um, cause I mean, it's usually always obviously about the patient and the fact that they're getting in their little quarrel, um, you know, is, is affecting the patient care. So yeah, they're, they're really kind of going, going way back here, which is, which is not good. Um, meanwhile, Cruz shows up to Ginger's house. Uh, she's sort of, um, I guess shocked that she's a cop. Uh, she's got kids in the background and, uh, her kids don't know what she does. Um, Cruz saying that uh, you should come in and help report this because Warner should pay for what he did. Ginger won't help her out. Um, and then Cruz basically storms in and arrests her anyway. So um, I, In front of her kids. Which, you know, the one thing that kind of annoys me about this whole situation, not just because, you know, this poor kid's sort of getting to see this in front of everything, but, like, we hear her talking about the mac and cheese, and she's all like, you know, just go in there, turn it down, I'll be there in a sec. So then they take her away, and then they're going to take the kid away. What's happening to the mac and cheese? It's going to sit there on the stove and burn. <laughs> yeah, and then the and then Five Five Firehouse is going to, is going to respond to that. <laughs> they should they should have done that yeah. as kind of like an extra thing, you know, give Jimmy something to do this episode. Um, yeah. House on yeah. fire because of mac and cheese burning. <laughs> five, 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 respond to house on, to house on fire at whatever that address was. I, I do love <laughs> your, <laughs> I was about to say, I did love your impersonation there of a fire truck. You're, <laughs> <laughs> good job. All right, guys, uh, what do we got? <laughs> I feel like I feel like we're right there. Um, we've got uh, Sully uh, Davis bringing back our uh, hatted florist delivery man back to the precinct, um, and this guy being scared of Davis. Uh, and then they're 
uh, what Swirsky's basically saying, uh, like, nice collar. If they've arrested him in outside of the precinct, uh, is that still their collar, I, I they- guess? I mean, they've done the arrest, so, you know, I don't know how that yeah. works. Let's just say for the hell of it, let's say it is. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, Cruz is meanwhile on a computer. Uh, I'm guessing she's probably, uh, I don't know, checking a Facebook or something like that. Um, <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, Munro's asking her, like, what are you still doing here? And she's uh, obviously still doing some research and trying to help out. The kid is there, by the way, as well. Um, the kid of Ginger. Um, and we've got Yokus, where, uh, what a good. 20 minutes into this episode, and remember Yokus, here she is. It's going to be her last yep. episode for quite some time. Um, she's driving with Fred, and uh, she has a bit of a flashback to when Cruz shot her, and then they're driving past the, oh, look, there's that new mini mall that opened, and uh, Yokus is looking out the window, and Fred is basically saying, like, hey, we should bring Charlie there and get some new shoes. Uh, Yokus looking very concerned, though. That's going to come back and play a little bit into this episode. Um, we find out this guy is called Frank Morgan, by the way. This is the guy with the hat who delivered the flowers. Sully and Davis mm-hmm. are questioning him about it. Um, and I love the way kind of this guy's, you know, he's acting all cocky again. He's in a cage. He's all tied up and he's kind of like, you're not going to do anything. You're in a police station. There's hundreds of witnesses. Um, and then Sully's kind of like, well, what are you talking about? They're all cops. Like, uh, you know, they're all in here. Well, you know, you're better off being out there. And then I love the way, because he's not giving any information about the judge and kind of blowing anyone up. And I just love the way Sally opens the cage. He's like, ah, oh, damn it, Davis. I left the cage unlocked again. <laughs> we may have an escapee on our hands. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Oh, the way play this. And then Sally, um, sorry, Davis, the way he comes in there and is like, which one of your kneecaps is your least favorites? Um, and he, he rolls over, admits that it was Animal who, uh, ordered him to try and kill him. Uh, and then there we've got the confession. So this, is this the easiest yep. confession that we've ever had on this show? Probably. <laughs> it's fun. I like this good cop, bad cop routine because we've never seen this before between these two, really. No, we haven't. And I like it because, again, you know, one minute he's all cocky and all that, and then Davis comes in and he's, well, does Davis, does does Kobe Bell have more of an intimidating appearance than Skip Suddeth? Um, that's an interesting question. Um... I mean, if eh, I don't know, like it's it's a tough one I, because based on their characters, I would say they're not really that intimidating because we know they're sort of nice guys. But if you were yeah. to look at them and not know anything about them, I, I mean, I would probably almost say that Skip Sadath does because I mean, he's kind of like a middle aged white guy, kind of you know, he could pass for a, a a mafia guy, like just kind of the way he looks. And I think like he's wasn't he in Ronan or something like that, Ronan, whatever that movie was called, and he was like a mafia guy in that. Um, so, no idea. So, like, he's been, he's played that type of character before. So, I don't know, like, it's, that's a really interesting question. I, I mean, because I wouldn't say Kobe Bell's, you don't really look at him and feel intimidated, but, I mean, maybe that's just based on the characters I've seen him play in TV shows that I've never really seen him play, like, a an intimidating sort of looking guy. So, yeah, I don't know, it's a, it's a good question, but they, I think they play this whole section well, though. I like the way sort of Davis is drinking yes. his coffee and puts his coffee down and he's kind of, you know, gets his nightstick out and he's getting ready to kick some ass, essentially. Um, yeah. But, yes, yeah, so he's rolled over an animal. He's a little wimp. And, uh, and even Davis kind of gives him a bit of a flinch at the end as if to say, like, ooh, uh, to, like, scare him. Um, Yokus and uh, Fred uh, back home. 
and Yoko sort of asked Fred, you know, what kind of person do you think I am? Kind of like a bit of an interesting question. Fred's in a leather jacket, by the way. Can I just say a brown leather jacket? Looking very uh, fashionable oh. there, old Freddy. Alrighty. Yeah. Way to go, Chris Bauer. Yeah. I don't know if that was his choice or the uh, the writers are like, hey, let's make Fred a little bit more fashionable this week. Not too sure. Um, we have Ginger and uh, another one of the, uh, I guess, um, uh, workers at the chiropractor place come in. And uh, they have a bit of a conversation, sort of going off about Cruz. Didn't know she was a cop. Um, and then Cruz and Munro are watching them having this conversation. Uh, they then come in and basically say, like, hey, look, we're here to back you up. All you need to do is initial this photo of the person to say who raped you, and we can get this guy arrested and put away. And, of course, they're still going on about saying, like, look, who's going to believe a prostitute was raped? But they both initial the same photo of Thomas Warner, Cruz is happy that she's got her, um, uh, I guess, guy <coughs> here that we're going to see. Um, so, yep, they're on they're on a good path right now. Back at the hospital, uh, we've got Carlos, Holly, Kim, and Eugene, uh, and Eugene saying that uh, there's a union rep waiting for them back at the house because they're going to report Doc filing a complaint. Uh, and then Carlos kind of uh, stands up here and is like, "You don't call downtown, Eugene. Uh, you handle things like this yourself." Uh, he then tells them that Doc came to his house and, I guess, uh, you know, threatened him and uh, assaulted him at his house. Carlos doesn't believe it. And uh, Eugene storms off and quits. Because, honestly, like, you've got to, again, we've got to feel for Eugene here. Like, he's got no support here at all. Um, you know, and he, again, he's doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing. He's going to report this. Um, right. And... Oh. Go, go, go ahead. Okay. And I was going to say... I was going to say, and of course, I mean, Carlos and them, yeah, of course, they don't believe that Doc did that, but I mean, we saw it, we saw it happen. We know, we know what happened there. Yeah. But I mean. And we have, uh, you know, kind of Carlos, he says to Kim, like, you know, you don't believe he really would do that. And Kim's kind of like, well, you know, he has been acting really funny lately. And then, um, Carlos is like, look, you know, well, I'll ask him essentially. Um, then we've mm-hmm. got, uh, back at the precinct, we've got these two guys grilling Ginger and I guess really being, you know, very forceful here with the situation and kind of just not believing her and, you know, saying like, uh, you know, not paying the bill isn't rape or something like that. And like, it's, it's very harrowing. It's very dark. But like, they kind of do say like, you know, cause they're obviously cops and they're essentially saying like, def- you know, prosecution attorneys are going to be worse than us. We're just trying to like help you out here. But she explains the whole situation about how she was punched in the stomach. She couldn't breathe. Kind of reliving the whole situation. Cruz has flashbacks and Cruz walks out saying that she needs a, um, a minute here because Munro goes out and kind of checks up on her. Um, and then, uh, Swirsky checks in on her and Munro kind of obviously says, um, you know, he's, she's okay. And then this is where they say we're going to, um, question your rapist. They're going to question Thomas and they ask whether or not Cruz wants to sit in and Cruz straight away is like, absolutely, I want to sit in. So, um, yeah, again, I, I have nothing but props to Tia Tahada here, her acting range and kind of the layers they're doing of Cruz here because, you know, we've, all we've had with Cruz is kind of tough nut cop and, you know, do anything to get what she wants and all this sort of stuff. And really in the last two episodes, she's just shone so much with just the layers of acting she's had to deal with. You know, she's gone from being tough cop trying to redeem herself for what happened and kind of going out of her way to do this uh, sting operation where she thinks she'll get back in the good books and get out of uniform um, straight away to, you know, obviously being assaulted and now having to deal with all this sort of stuff that's happening back at the house. And we're going to get some great stuff from her very soon. So, yeah, I don't know if you really have anything to add, but she's just she's fantastic. 
Yep, and slowly but surely, I'm going over to one side of the fence. And is that like the, the, more, the cruise side? Yep. I mean, the more of the more I the more I watch her character development, the more we talk about it. I'm like, hmm, yeah, definitely a lot more to her than what fans of this show who are even more hardcore than us would rather ignore. That makes me happy, Darvel. I'm achieving something. If I can change someone like that, that's that's going to be good for the rest of this, and I hope other people are doing that as well. <laughs> yeah, um, well, like I, like I said before, when we first started exploring crews, I was never firmly on one side or the other. Just so. like people don't really... I don't know where I was going with that joke. Just move along, Ben. Um, so yeah, ju- we're, oh, oh, no, 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 no. You can't stop now. Where were you going no, with that? No, I, I don't even remember what I was saying. Judge Holstead shows up uh, coming in to see um, Frank, uh, and he kind of, you know, acts a little bit, um, you know, sheepish, and he's just like, you know, I had nothing good to you personally. Uh, and then the judge goes off, you know, she was a mother to my children. Uh, you know, I want you to know the names of these people. I want you to live with that for the rest of your life. And if I have any influence uh, on this trial, you will get the um, death penalty. Um, and then she kind of goes away, and then he kind of questions Davis and Sully and says, you said you were going to help me. And uh, Sully or Davis are basically like, you try to kill a judge twice, you know. No one's going to help you, essentially. So, yep, there's that. Um, yep, you're fucked. Fair point. Uh, Thomas Warner's getting grilled. He's trying to defend himself, saying that she wanted it. Um, basically, you know, them saying it's rape. And then he then realizes that they're not actually talking about, um, Cruz, that, uh, they're talking about Ginger. So he kind of goes quickly from being really, uh, I guess apologetic and, uh, sad to realize that, oh, hang on a minute. I'm going to get away with this. Uh, and that he's got um, receipts and evidence that uh, it was all consensual with Ginger and the other people. So the ADA storms out. Sharon's kind of saying, like, look, you know, they've got receipts, there's evidence. This wasn't rape. This was uh, just a bad transaction. So the ADA walks out. It's basically like, everyone can go. This is all... Um, this is all free. Nothing's uh, going to be charged here. And this is when Cruz stands up and admits it. He says that he raped me when I was undercover. Um, and again, great acting here by Tia Tahada. Just the desperation on her face. Just everything about this scene is fantastic. Um, yeah. You know, it's, but, I don't want to, I mean, look, potential for top five based purely on the acting and just the sort of the value of it. But I, I'm right. going to say it probably won't make the top five, but I'm just going to say, like, if we did a top ten or something this season, it could very much be in the conversation. Just, just the reaction yeah, and- that she has. Yep, and what I wondered, though, is if, you know, the receipts and all that other evidence that Warner had collect that Warner had, hadn't come to light, would, would Cruz have set, would Cruz have stood up and said, look, this happened to me as well, I was raped by him? Oh, or would she have much. just gone on to continue suffering in silence? I, 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 I think that if those receipts hadn't there and they could have proved that he raped Ginger and the other lady, I think for sure she wouldn't have said anything. Um, because I think kind of it all purely comes out to desperation at this point that she realizes that this guy's going to get away. Um, and that the only way that she can make it so he doesn't is by admitting it. So that to me is clearly what's happening at this point here. And then, Mm-hmm. We get her being questioned more here by the sort of the same cops that we saw before. Um, 
that uh, the rape kid is at mercy under Jane Doe um, and sort of questioning a little bit more. And then this guy basically asks her, you know, did you have sex with anyone else? And, yeah, she snaps and rightfully goes off at him and uh, Swirsky tells uh, this guy to leave and then Swirsky stands up for Cruz and is sort of, you know, take your time. Um, and... Yeah, she didn't, um, she says to Swirsky, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be treated any, any differently, um, to all of this sort of thing as well. So, you know, again, great here from Cruz and great for, this is why we love Swirsky, isn't it? You know, he's always there to stand up for his own, um, right. you know, and, and make sure that, uh, yeah, that they're protected and yeah, we love Swirsky. We love Lou. Um, Bosco comes in and sees that, uh, cruises in with Swirsky, talks to Munro, uh, and he's like, you know, what did she do now? Sex crimes are all over the place. And then she's saying to Munro, like, look, you know, don't fall for this. This is how it starts. You know, she hooks you in, um, under her spell, essentially like that. And, um, yeah, Bosco still not knowing exactly what's going on. I think when it comes to that. Right. Uh, meanwhile, we have, uh, Carlos approaching Doc saying that uh, Eugene quit and Eugene uh, is no longer there and Doc straight away is kind of like, I told you, I told you he wouldn't make it. Uh, and then Carlos yeah, asks... because of you! <laughs> <laughs> I do also like calm Doc's weird grey, I guess, zip-up sweater thing that he's wearing that says paramedic on it. Anyway, um, Carlos asks him about um, what happened with Eugene and uh, Doc doesn't even hesitate to admit to it. He basically says, like, it was his fault. You know, it was his fault. Taylor died uh, because of this. And then you, this is really, to me, this is the first time. Like, I know it's kind of weird to say this because we've seen Doc, you know, talking about being a god. We've seen Doc approach Eugene. We've seen Doc shove him. But this maybe is the first one where you actually kind of feel that something really isn't right. Because this is where Doc is basically saying that, you know, they're going to be happy that Eugene quit because I fixed it, you know, because they're going to find out that he killed Taylor. And, like, there's just, there's almost no rhyme or reason to what he's saying. We've, we're the same as Carlos here. Carlos has just got this absolute dumbfounded look on his face. Like, what the fuck? Like, like, is this, like, uh, is this the same, is this the same man who trained me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so this is, this is to me the absolute point where you're like, whoa, okay. Doc is just, something's not screwed loose up there. Something's gone out of, out of yeah. proportion. Um, so yeah, this is kind of, it's, it's, it's difficult to watch at times just because, you know, we know, so obviously we love him so much over four seasons of what he has, but as kind of we've mentioned, yeah. you know, the moral center of the show and Michael Beach wasn't a fan of that anymore. So I'm sure Michael Beach is having a lot of fun playing this, uh, different type of, uh, doc. And again, as I've said a few times, like pissed me off the first time I watched this, but once you know kind of how it goes and you can watch it happening, it you kind of have that appreciation and understanding of why he essentially is um, doing this. Uh, back at the right. firehouse, and go ahead. Sorry, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say on the, and I, I like how, I, I like his delivery of of these lines in the in these in these episodes, you know, from here to here here going forward. I, I love the, I love his. His his vo- even his voice inflection. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell that there's that you know he's he's not all there because he sounds weaker. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure if that's the right way to say it, but 
kind of kind of does. I mean, he he sounds weaker. He sounds unsure of himself and yet confident at the same time. It's like my, Michael Beach is just perfect with like delivering in this in in his scenes that he has. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Standpoint too. Couldn't agree more. I, I definitely think there is a, a difference to the delivery of how he speaks this season and and how he handles things. And I think that's what I, I appreciate in the long term, knowing what's going to happen and kind of watching this from the beginning. Because maybe that to me was why a lot of the reason at the beginning when this happened, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it because. It is a change. It is like a change. And, you know, at the time when you're watching this live, particularly in Australia, like, you know, there's gaps in between me seeing you're kind of not watching this back to back week to week, you know, you're not binging it. Um, so you can't appreciate it as much. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think kind of the way he delivers his lines and, um, acts and basically, um, reacts and everything along those lines, you, you really do get that sense that he's changing this up enough that he's believable that he's kind of lost it and he's going on a slopey, path downwards uh and also that it's still in the realms of doc like you still it's it's not like they've completely changed his character um so not yet it's kind of it's uh, this is a very weird comparison but um i'm a huge fan of the movie independence day it's probably my top 10 movies of all time and then the sequel was probably one of the top 10 worst movies of all time it was absolutely rubbish they should have never made a sequel to it uh and if they were going to make a sequel to it what they did was just terrible and the Jeff Goldblum character, David Levison, in the first movie compared to the second movie, he's just a different character. Just they've they've basically gotten Jeff Goldblum back in the second one and said, like, hey Jeff, just play yourself. Play Jeff Goldblum. And I love Jeff Goldblum. I fucking love that man. And I love it when he is Jeff Goldblum. But like he just he just doesn't seem like the same character. It's just a different character that he's playing. Um whereas when Jeff Goldblum came back for what, like two minutes in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, you could at least tell he was still Ian Malcolm in Fallen Kingdom, even though he has like one speech at a committee hearing and then that's all he was used for. So um yeah, that's a weird little comparison. But at least you can still tell the what I'm trying to go there, I guess. So yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um so we have uh here Bosco uh is being asked by Swirsky to transport a cop to a station. Bosco is basically going off saying like this isn't cruise, is it? Um and Swirsky's just like, look, just do this, do as you're told. Um great little scene with Cruz and Munro in the car where Cruz is basically saying, like, you know, I should have should have fought harder and kind of, you know, I should have been able to prevent this. Um, you know, she's sort of telling about being in the academy, like how she pushed above everyone else. You know, the academy wanted 25 push-ups, I gave 50. Um, and you know, Munro obviously saying like, look, none of this is your fault. Like it's, I think this does do a lot to really kind of make you sympathize with Cruz. And again, as I said, like last week, like I really would like to hear from Cruz haters if they can surely say to me that they don't feel some ounce of sympathy for this woman after these episodes. Um, and I think again, then they're a is, bunch of heartless fucking bastards. Yeah, pretty much. But I think what is makes it even better as well. Again, is just a talk up tear to Harder's acting acting ability. And again, we haven't really said it too much about her, but uh, she kind of joins the ranks of third watch actors who are great actors. And I'm surprised you don't really see go on to much big bigger things. Um, all I've ever seen tear to Harder in are just small minor roles in movies where she kind of is playing some sort of. A fiery Latino character. Like, she was in... I remember she was in Phone Booth. I remember that was, like, one thing I saw her in. She was in the... Um, when they first rebooted Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. She's the one on the train when he's starting to discover his abilities and he, like, 
touches a woman's like shirt and accidentally rips it off because he's got he's got like the sticky fingers because of Spider Man. That's her. Like he's she's the woman whose shirt gets ripped off. So like she's just got a few minor roles here and there and things which I just yeah she's got great range. Um, so yeah, and same it isn't used more. I will say that sort of through the people that we've discussed about getting on the show like. I actually did have a very brief conversation with Tia Tahada over email, um, and she sort of politely declined to come on the show, and it wasn't anything what? against, like, wanting to chat about it. They're just, without going into further detail, because it's not really my place to explain why, but she obviously, she had some, some personal issues going on in her life, which kind of she explained to me, which really she was focusing a lot on sort of her life and sort of family, so... Um, and it was a case of like, that's completely fine. And, you know, I just politely yeah. said to her, like, look, in the future, if things, you know, happen to clear up or you're ever wanting to come on the, the it's an open invitation. So, um, yeah, it's, it's now, disappointing our, our, from a standpoint that we, she declined, but at the same time, it's, it's something which like, okay, completely agree. And, you know, we're right. not going to push mm-hmm. the matter with it. So, um, right. and, our, and our thoughts and, well, our thoughts and, my case thoughts and prayers and whatever else, positive vibes, they're all with you, Tia. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Boss goes in the car here, uh, transporting Thomas Warner and kind of starts off, you know, talking about crews and Bosco basically saying, like, you know, we don't get along, so, you know, you can you can tell me here um, what's happening and everything. Um, you know, you can, uh, I don't care. Uh, and then this guy, basically Bosco saying, oh, I can help you with this sort of stuff. And, um, then this is where I guess Warner essentially all but admits that he raped, uh, Cruz. And just the reaction from Bosco, just the facial expressions he kind of has when he goes from sort of like bad mouthing Cruz to realizing like, holy shit, like you raped her. Um, and then just the way he pulls over and he's kind of like, you raped Cruz? That's a New York City police officer. Um, and then just the way, He's kind of like, you're not going to beat me up, are you? Um, it's just that blank look from Bosco, because you're thinking, like, holy crap, like, what's happening here? And then you see Bosco is called Cruiser Munro, uh, and then Cruiser Munro are kind of like, like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, oh, I've got a flat, you need to transport this prisoner. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? And so then he pulls a knife out and puts a flat in his tyre, and then Cruz realises that the perp in the back of the car is Thomas Warner. Munro is kind of saying, like, look, you shouldn't do this, like, don't do this. Bosco just kind of turns his back and lets Cruz do a thing. She grabs him out of the car, grabs him by the back of the head, and um, Cruz is like, you're going to pay for this, trust me, and then shoves him in the back of the car. So you think Cruz is going to bash him up, but uh, she actually doesn't, and uh, just shoves him in the back of the car, and we're going to get a good ending to this soon. But this is another one of those moments where, again... I love the ending. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, potential top five again as well. Um, Sort of... Again, we can sort of revisit this when we get to our end of season wrap up if we we're struggling for one. Right. But I mean, not to say that this is one that should only be a filler. I mean, I think it's strong enough that it kind of has it. Just, just the way sort of Bosco reacts, just to Cruz's reaction here, where she, finally she's got his man and kind of, you know, he's hurt her in a way that she never thought was possible. And just, it's just great. It's very tense. It's, yeah, I don't know if you've got really anything to add on it. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's just, it's such a great scene. Just that I'm surprised she didn't beat the shit out of him. Yeah, well, I think it, it, it works out well. Like, it's kind of, that's where I like the fact that she doesn't, cause you're expecting, I guess, her to do it, but she doesn't. So it kind of throws that bit of a spanner in the work, so to speak. So yeah, I don't mind mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, just again, I also like the fact that kind of, you're not expecting Bosco to react this way, I think. Like, you kind of, 
Bosco to me is almost the audience this string of episodes where he's the one speaking against Cruz like fuck Cruz bitch on wheels like you know why should we care about her and then kind of at this last moment like even you're probably thinking like oh even Bosco is going to basically be like oh she deserved what happened to her so um, Bosco to me is the audience of Cruz haters in these these two episodes and he's the the reaction that they all kind of have so that's kind of how i at least we hope they all kind of have yeah yeah exactly uh we've got yoko she's staring out the window it's raining uh she tells a story about how uh all she saw at the mini mall was a bunch of crimes happening um and this is where she's like look i can't be in the city anymore can we just get out of here can we go out of the city for a little bit and um go away so it's interesting that um powerful moment it's very powerful but it's kind of interesting she goes into a lot of detail about everything she saw and kind of as fred says like you're only looking at them all for like 60 seconds so um the thing that like we've gone off i think in the last few weeks about how kind of yokus is just there and the storyline is kind of pointless um at least this episode they kind of do something a little bit differently but at the same time we've just forgotten about the fact that a she's meant to be paralyzed b she's feeling pain uh you know c is she gonna walk away with a pension and all this sort of stuff but this is essentially the explanation why she's not going to be in what, like the next 10, 11 episodes, I want to say? Um, the next uh, seven or eight, I think. Because she eight. comes back, yeah, because she comes back in, uh, in, in No More Forever, but she's on the desk. Uh, for that episode. Fury. You are. Cr- uh, no, apparently she's credited here as being blessed and bewildered. Um, isn't she? Maybe doesn't she's. She- but isn't that the last scene where she's uh, in the diner with Bosco? Like, isn't she in like one scene for like two minutes at the end of an episode? And is that blessed and bewildered? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't seen that episode for a while. I, I know there is definitely an end of an episode where it's kind of like pulled as a bit of a shock value. Like, hey, Yokus is back, and she's in the diner with Bosco, and that's where she says, like, if I return, I want to be with Five Five David. So I'm pretty sure that that is it. So caught, yeah. So six episodes she's not in. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, oh no, there's one next season she's not in. I was about to say, are they the only six episodes that Yokus is never in? Um, well, she's not in Last Call, is she? So, um, she's no. not in Honor. Uh, I, I, one thing I actually would love to do, and I'm going to do it one time, is I'm actually going to go through, um, on IMDb and actually count the episodes they appear in and not where they're just credited. Um, to see actually who technically appears in the most episodes. I'm, I'm thinking it's Sully or Davis. Um, that's going to be my pure guess, and I'd probably say it's probably going to be Sully, maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, because obviously uh, we've gone over the fact that uh, the ones who are credited in all 132 episodes are Bosco, Yokus, Carlos, uh, Sully, and Davis, but just because you're yep. credited doesn't mean you appear in every episode. And we know that Bosco is missing from a large portion of Season 6, Yokus is missing from a large portion of Season 5, um, and, yeah, Carlos is definitely in not a lot of episodes because they ignore the paramedics. Uh, so, yeah, to me, it's going to be between Sully and Davis, who's appeared in the actual most episodes. But we'll, we'll work that out. Maybe Orkides or yeah. somebody who's listening has already answered that for me, but probably by the time this airs, I've probably already answered that for myself anyway. But thank you, Orkides or Barb, if you've uh, gone through that effort to do that for me anyway. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, uh, one thing we'll quickly say with Yoko is I think a lot of the reason why she uh, was written out of a lot of this season as well or confined to a wheelchair or put in bed is because Molly Price was pregnant. So, um, I'm, I know we've mentioned that before, but in case mm-hmm. nobody sort of realised that you never really see the lower half of her in this season, they're very clever the way they do that with TV shows, aren't they? Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, there is a reason why Molly Price, I guess, is going to be missing for quite some time in this. And I guess they're all our little complaints about, uh, you know, the pointlessness of her storyline, why she in a wheelchair, it kind of gets forgotten about and all this sort of stuff. There is a reason behind it. So, um, right. Yeah, there is that. But, uh, yes, uh, it's going to feel a bit weird not having her in it for six episodes, which is, I mean, I think we're, we're strong enough on two legs right now without her being in it. But considering that, as I keep saying, she's the star of this show, and particularly in season six, where she really is the star of the show, um, we're going to miss our face for the next six episodes, I feel. In more ways than one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had a little joke there about faith. I got it. Um, <laughs> Munro, meanwhile, um, has been a bit nice to Cruz as they leave um, work for the night. And then even Bosco um, is nice to Cruz here. I, I do kind of like the line that Bosco says, like, can you remind me who has to change the tyre next time I shove the knife into it? <laughs> um, and Bosco sort of even just says to Cruz here, like, hey, do you want to go get something to eat? And then Cruz obviously says, like, would you be asking me that if it was just a normal Tuesday? Uh, and then, again, Bosco being the audience here, the Cruz hater audience, where he says, you didn't deserve what happened to you. So that, to me, is the writer's deliberate way of saying, hey, we know you as an audience hate Cruz, uh, so we're just going to write this as a character point for you to realise that you're the same as Bosco this episode. Um, yeah. And the episode ends with the judge, Judge Holstead, in her final appearance, bye-bye, uh, and she rocks up on a motorcycle um, says to Sully, I heard this is where you, well, you told me this is where you go and eat. Um, and, uh, yep, she's going to go in there and eat some food at the diner. Um, cool. Good for them. Again, what's the point of this? Maybe they'll take a ride. Yep. What's the point of this to imply that there's going to be a relationship with these two? Don't get attached to this because you'll never see her again and nothing really gets mentioned after the next episode. And then I should say the episode actually closed. We see Thomas Warner laying in prison and we've got sort of two other prisoners coming in and saying, we've got a message for you from Sergeant Cruz. And they beat the living shit out of him, uh, in the cell as it fades to black. So uh, <laughs> the end. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we never, and I mean, we don't find out if he lives or dies. It's kind of left up in the air, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if Cruz sent those sent those minions, then uh, he probably does. I, look, and I, I love it's... the. Go ahead. No, oh, I was going to say I love the scream he lets out too. It's kind of funny. God. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think it's it's one of these open ended ones that you don't need to know. I mean, you just he's getting bashed up. That's all we need. We get some conclusion here. So, yeah, yep. that's it. Um, yeah, solid episode. Um, I am buying this episode. I don't know what you're going to do with this episode. Oh, I'm going to buy it as well. Yeah. Definite buy here. It's, it's definitely not like a super, super high buy, but, um, it's still a solid enough buy that, an episode that deserves a buy. I've actually got this as 67 out of 98. Again, to clarify, mm-hmm. I'm ranked all the way up to the spirit, just for those tuning in who think there's not been that many episodes. Um, so, you know, it's kind of middle of the road in terms of the buys, uh, in terms of the episodes. It's sort of in the lower end of the buys I've got, but, um, yeah, I still think it's solid enough that it warrants a buy. But, uh, anyway, mm-hmm. th- that is payback. Uh, next week, we are back for, uh, Fury with three episodes in a row with one word titles. Um, so, Doki's back on the streets. Has he been there voluntarily? Has he been demoted? You'll have to find out. Um, there is uh, a bit of a, I guess, conclusion to the uh, Buford storyline. 
Um, and we get the reintroduction back of uh, Carlos's daughter, Kylie, which kind of is going to set us up for uh, a bit of a storyline revolving around Carlos's long-lost family, which is a pretty interesting storyline, I have to say. Yeah, it is. And I'll, I'll say this right now, though. I'm kind of bummed that we didn't actually get to... That we don't that we don't actually get to see Kylie during during this. I mean, we just we just know about her. I would have liked to have seen Carlos, you know, actually with her. I think we as do. this story was playing I out. Th- I think there's at least one scene where we see her. I'm pretty sure there is. Um, yeah, and no, I'm pretty sure we see her in the hospital at one point. Uh, I'll have to double check when we when we sort of go over that next week. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a decent episode again. As I keep saying that, so uh, that'll be. Next week, in the meantime, all the usual stuff, folks. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, we're on Instagram, subscribe on all the podcast channels, leave us some feedback, and um, email us if you want to, and do whatever you want to, because we like hearing from you, and we appreciate you tuning in and listening and uh, supporting us as we continue on this journey of covering all of your favourite TV shows, Third Watch, because um, it's great. Uh, my name is Ben, and what kind of person do you think I am? My name is Darvell, and I'm not the same person I was before I became the police. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.